Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're, of course, here at our usual time this week. Uh, Dr. Kelly Victory, on her usual day, will join me again. We are taking questions off Twitter spaces. I'll, I'll get in there in just a second to make sure we have access. Don't worry. Uh, Kayla will be out there. Just I've got to drop in. And uh, the idea, the conceit of today's show was all things medical other than COVID, though I'm afraid Kelly and I have a few things hanging over from yesterday we kind of want to get into before we launch into other topics. But Susan's laughing. Uh, I also noticed that Susan was in on the Rumble rants talking about whether or not RFK Jr. should have Secret Service coverage from the from the federal government. Hysterical. We can talk about things like that if you wish. Those of you who are on Rumble may have just seen an interview with RFK Jr. I was with him over the weekend at a really a very interesting presentation, a five-hour afternoon of multiple presenters at San Jose, and I thought it was a very productive afternoon and evening. Again, back with your calls. We'll be on Twitter Spaces taking those calls. Raise your hand there. I'll call you up after this. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. And tomorrow we will have some news about my participation with TWC. Uh, I think they're doing a great job of trying to improve access for people that are not so trusting in the medical system anymore. We're trying to rebuild that trust and trying to put some of the locus of control for healthcare back in the hands of patients. So that is my goal in getting involved with TWC. So keep a lookout for that. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with their responsiveness, how they're problem solving, and uh, I think we can do some good there. 
Dr. Kelly Victory joins me, of course. Uh, Kelly is an ER doc. She has public health training. I don't have to... Re uh, we, we will undoubtedly, when we uh, come out of commercials next time, there'll be another review of who Kelly Victory is that's all tapped <laughs> into our, our automated system. Um, so uh, she'll be there. She'll be uh, promoted again when we take a little break. But there, there's... I, I don't want to go to calls just yet because there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, let me just talk to you about one thing in particular to start with because you and I both have kind of a hangover from yesterday some of the calls we took mm -hmm. some of the the conflicts we were getting into and stuff right and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was awake for an hour thinking to myself now wait a minute how can I question the the point of view the position of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and essentially the Royal Society of Obstetrics and Gynecology and every other society, mm -hmm. professional society, particularly that I, I've been looking at the pregnancy data lately and trying to, trying to understand it because so much of it is earlier, so much of the great benefit was earlier. I'm trying to understand why the push now. And I just thought to myself, who am I to run afoul of these, these great and storied professional organizations? I will let you answer that, and then I want to tell you what my next thought was after about 45 minutes. I'll let you answer that first. Right. Well, let me start with this. I think, unfortunately, I think that people underestimate the power of financial incentive. Um, these all, There's no question that the different colleges, just like the medical journals drew, are highly supported by the pharmaceutical companies. Um, if you look, for example, at what happened with the average internist, the average internist, family practice physician in the United States, makes $200,000 a year. The average uh, practitioner has 1,500 patients in his or her practice. Those are just the numbers. The uh, insurance companies incentivized doctors financially to get their patients, for example, vaccinated for COVID. This has never happened before. They didn't do it for influenza. They don't do it for meningitis or for pneumonia, but they did for COVID. And they incentivized people, these doctors, $300 per patient if you had 70% or more of your practice uh, vaccinated. So let me just do the math for you. That means that your average doctor who was making $200,000 a year, if he or she got 70% of their of uh, their practice vaccinated, 70% of their 1,500 patients, they would have made an additional $550,000. They would have gone from $200,000 to three quarters of a million dollars last year, okay? If you don't think that that's an incentive, now I'm not saying that a doctor says, oh, I don't believe in this, but since I'm getting paid, I'll give it. But when you're it, it's really subliminal. It's really when you go, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm motivated to get my patients vaccinated. And you see past, maybe you don't delve into the uh, studies as much as you can. If you're the average guy who could increase his income from 200,000 to 750,000 just for pushing the vaccines, I think you're crazy if you think that doesn't matter. Likewise, with the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology or the Lancet or whoever it is, when you are looking at losing massive amounts of financial support, I think that makes a big difference. Roger Ailes, the former head of Fox News, said long ago that he really wanted 
to eliminate pharmaceutical advertising from Fox News, but they provided 70% of all of the advertising revenue for Fox News. So again, this isn't a partisan issue. This is when money speaks, unfortunately. So when you look at the financial incentives, I don't care if you're a, you know, the University of uh, California, San Francisco, uh, looking at the, you know, the, the data that was being thrown around yesterday with regard to cancer rates, they are heavily subsidized by the pharmaceutical companies. The media are, the, med- the journals are, and certainly the different medical colleges are. And I think that you cannot underestimate that. So, and you know, I certainly am interested in support your skepticism, uh, worry about the overreach of regulation and, and the pharmaceutical industry and how they're cozy. And this is all new information for me because I was, you know, I, I, you know, I, again, I still am ambivalent about it because I, I worked with pharmaceutical industries and professionals and have been very pleased with the work they do. But I, I understand what you're saying in terms of the adulteration of thought process. Well, here's where my thinking went in the middle of the night was, wait a minute. These were the same guys that told me that if I didn't follow the Women's Health Initiative in 2014, line and verse, I was no different than a witch doctor. Those were their yeah. words. And I and at the time I remember thinking, wait, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I, that's not right. That doesn't fit. That's not the the all these women I have on the hormone replacement therapy are going to be destroyed when I take mm-hmm. them off. And then we were required right. to take them off. These women were destroyed. They went from elongated uh, upright humans to spheres yes. that were in pain chronically from their osteoporosis. Uh, and right. then uh, what is it? Three years later, they went. Oops. We got that yeah. one wrong. I today yeah. spent about a half hour trying to find both that admonition about being a witch doctor and what they said when they changed course dramatically because that study was so flawed and no one saw it. Can't find it. The internet is scrubbed for that, which is very interesting. It, right. And the other thing is, I think there, there's there's a confluence of these forces, Drew, because back to your issue about the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, you've got the doctors at the helm making decisions, who are, and they know that their college is being financially supported by pharmaceutical monies, mm-hmm. but they say, let's be real scientists, and they go instead to the journal. They say, well, let's actually see what the studies show. So they read a study mm-hmm. that's corrupted because it's also paid for by the same pharmaceutical company, but that study supports their behavior. So they legitimately have gone to the study. And this, as you know, for me has been the, the existential crisis. If you can't trust the studies, if you can't trust them because well, they were bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical company. So it, it, there's a confluence of all of these forces. So it, just it, as you saw that they, they led weirder. you to believe. Yeah. It's even they, weirder. They led you to believe I, I, you they, should do something. And, yeah, and I did it, and it hurt my patients, right. and then I found mm-hmm. out I was right. Now, the other the other circumstance in which every professional society in this country fought me was in with the prescribing of opiates. Pain is right. the fifth vital sign, Dr. Pinsky. Right. Pain is what the patient right. says it is. Pain control is what the patient says it is. You're going to be guilty of patient abuse if you don't give that heroin addict the Vicodin he wants or whatever. That was the insanity that was going on back then. Same organizations, and- both situations, mm-hmm. and same thing now. I'm going, something is not right. 
oh, it's those guys again. It's the same right. professional societies again that got it so wrong. So then I started thinking, oh, I got to figure this out. <laughs> I got it. There's something right. wrong and I can feel it. But go ahead. It well, might be say, money. So, it might so be something a, else. I don't know. No, no. And, and, and I do an entire presentation on the lack of critical thinking that has taken over medicine. Here's another. When, when doctors became entirely employed and 80 plus percent of doctors are employees now, either of a large hospital system, of a large medical group, or of an insurance company. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you that you work for the person who pays you. And if you are being paid, yeah. if you work for an insurance company or a hospital system, you work for them, not for the patient. And you are going to do what they tell you to do. When I was working full-time at a hospital-based trauma practice, and they entered into the, and you got incentivized based on your press gainy results, your patient satisfaction survey. So here I am, oh, a trauma yeah. specialist. That's where the opiate thing save, ran amok. Right. So I'm trying to save people from the clutches of death. These are people shot in the chest, horrific car accidents, awful trauma. And I'm trying to save them. And mm -hmm. I need to worry about the patient satisfaction survey, whether or not they liked my bedside manner. I'm like, how about if I saved their lives? You might incentivize me on that, yeah. whether or not I kept them from the morgue. Yeah. But no, instead, you're going to incentivize. Yeah. So what do you think happens, Drew, when the mother comes in and says to the doctor in the urgent care, you know, my child has an ear infection, or the, the doctor says you have an ear infection, which we know are 98% viral, but mom wants a prescription for amoxicillin. Okay, you're thinking, yep. well, I can either weigh driving, you know, bacterial resistance, antibiotic resistance, or I can make this mother happy, you know, and my press gainy, my patient satisfaction, I don't care. I'm writing a prescription for amoxicillin, even though she doesn't need it. Because when you start incentivizing doctors based on the wrong thing, not following yep. the best medical care, but making the patient happy, you're going to give them that prescription for Vicodin. You're going to give them the prescription for yep. amoxicillin. They want a party favor, you're going to give them a party favor. That's not good medicine, but they set up the incentives that way. And doctors are humans and they're going to, you know, play to the incentives. And then finally, I, I've been just, I've been sort of obsessing about this one article in JAMA, which was, uh, you know, vaccinated pregnant women, unvaccinated pregnant women. And it, mm -hmm. and it showed a slight increase in benefits, uh, NICU hospitalizations for the, for the, uh, the infants, uh, it's less less ICU visits for the mom, and um, <laughs> except that the there was a higher incidence of babies coming back to the hospital. These were slight differences in in all these issues, and the thing I could not figure out, and this I'm still digging into this and asking multiple reviewers to look at this with me to make sure I'm not getting something wrong, but I can't see that the change in the in the outcomes in the two populations was related to COVID. Their endpoints were just NICU hospitalization or ICU for the mom, not ICU due to COVID. It's, I couldn't find it anywhere in the paper that they documented what was in the mix of these two populations, the vaccinated, unvaccinated, say mothers in the ICU. There's no criteria. There's no diagnostic information. It could all have been 
I don't know, I, anything. Could have been any kind of a misadventure in pregnancy. It doesn't have to have been COVID. And people are looking at me going, are you here to tell me that the vaccine made some sort of difference that wasn't related to COVID? That's in medical literature all the time. That's why we have to right. do RCTs because the outcomes are very unpredictable. They can look they can look all kinds of ways and it doesn't have to be doing anything to have anything to do with the desired outcome of the therapeutic you're offering. And if people don't know that and understand that, it seems insane to suggest, well, are you telling me that's not COVID that made the difference when they gave a vaccine? I, it may be, but it may not be. And they don't specify. No, it, it, there was a horrifically bad study. And as I said, you, you're pointing out one of the uh, very obvious flaws. I mentioned yesterday that that study was authored by two people who work for the Canadian uh, version you of the CDC yeah. and a third person who yeah. works for Pfizer. Okay, so let's start yeah, with I'm, that. I'm obsessing um, about it. So. You know, I'm but, obsessing but about all it, this. I'm trying to figure it yeah, out. It's, it's very disturbing to me. No I got to tell you, I, I'm in like a weird, I, I agree with you, but I'm in this weird existential, weird. But I'll tell I'm you, and then, and then before we, psychological but before we and I, I want to get to calls, but the last comment I'll make about this yeah. is I maintain yeah. that the fundamental construct that was violated is that we never, ever give to a group of people a therapeutic drug intervention in a group of people on whom it was never tested. These vaccines were not tested on pregnant women. They were not tested not prior to being launched. And the idea yeah. of giving them to pregnant women is absolutely unconscionable. These are studies that will take years to figure out. Uh, there's a reason why vaccines take six to eight years to come to market if they ever well, make it to it, market. And, and, because you need to test and, it on people and, first. Well, and this is what makes it so difficult. It is a moving target if you're trying to do observational studies because the virus is changing. And so is the right. population that you're vaccinating. Right. This is, it's not an RCT where you start out with two controls and move forward. Right. You're trying to do observational right. data on a virus that is mutating all the time. It is extremely difficult and inaccurate and full of confoundings, full of confounding right. things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Okay. What? Time to talk about not COVID. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. I told you we had a hangover. We had a hangover from yesterday. Do you want to quickly, okay. Perry, you and I have not really ever discussed this together very quickly before we go to calls. Yeah, do, because I'm you, guessing, I'm I guessing you have some concerns that Matthew Perry might have something. Well, <laughs> something I, you know, remiss, he, he, but I don't. But go he, ahead. He, well, you know, I, I don't know him personally. I know only what I read of him, in, and he's a very comp was a very complex person with a storied history of yeah. of substance abuse. So I have no idea yes. what actually happened. One has to wonder yeah. any time you you see a previously healthy uh, person who appears to be quite fit die suddenly in today's world. You do have to wonder about the vaccine, but I would be crazy to jump to that conclusion given his well-known history of substance abuse and, and yeah. mental health yeah. issues and those sorts of things. So so I, do, I don't know yes. what happened with him. Uh, it's certainly the question is out there. And until we have autopsy or, or are made privy to the results of said autopsy, um, I don't think anyone can say.
Yeah, I, I agree with you. A couple of things. They're, they're reporting that no meth, no fentanyl. Those were not his drugs. He was an oral opiate dude. He got probably in some benzodiazepines yeah. lately, which is very dangerous for somebody with his history. Very dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had COPD, I'm hearing, reported from tobacco oh, use. So he okay. also might have coronary disease, right? So this could have been yeah, a coronary that's, that's event. That I, I just, he, he played pickleball yeah. before. Yeah, who knows? It's very who knows? It's, but, it's, but it is interesting. It's, this is... It's very different, Drew, from the from the soccer player who has a sudden cardiac arrest on the field, or the seventeen-year-old yes. who is found dead in bed uh, by mom in the morning. Uh, that's very different. This is yes. somebody whose whose history is quite complex, and there are lots yes. of other, I, other I agree. things that could be out there. I, I agree, and I just wanted to roll through that, yeah. and uh, except to just point this one thing out: my entire career. And I mean my entire career. When people came to me and said this young, healthy person died uh, or had dehydration and died, whatever whatever their little code was, or went to the hospital for de right. exhaustion and then and then, uh, right. and then died, 100% right. oh, of the time it's addiction. Now yeah. I stop and go, hmm, yeah. uh, there's right. some other options right. now, which is weird. That's right. weird that my think that way. That's odd. All right, right. let's do this. Let's uh, take a break. Let's get the business out of the way, and then we will go to your calls, non-please, non-COVID-related calls, if we can limit it to that. <laughs> We'd be very much appreciated. So We can't seem to resist. So if you can, we would, we would, it would get us uh, on course. So let's do business and then back with calls. Susan and I have been looking for nutrition-packed, great-tasting greens drink for a while. And then we tried our friends at Paleo Valley's Organic Super Greens, which is superior to what's out there on the market. Our friends at Paleo Valley, well, they think of everything, and they've created what's been called a magical green powerhouse. All three delicious varieties, pure unflavored, strawberry lemonade, and tropical, contain 23 certified organic antioxidant-rich superfoods, including the highest quality spirulina. It's also free of cereal grasses, gluten, grains, Soy and dairy and no added sugars or artificial sweeteners. And what's more, it delivers digestive enzymes, polyphenols, which are believed to burn fat, and eight essential amino acids. Imagine the time, effort, and cost of trying to make this yourself. It's impossible. Head on over to drdrew.com slash paleovalley, and you will get 15% off your first order. All the great products they have there, 15% off at drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O. Fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, GenuCell. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry, flaky skin because GenuCell skincare has you covered. Susan and I love our GenuCell products so much, we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles. It's risk-free at GenuCell.com slash Drew. GenuCell works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to GenuCell.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in GenuCell's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's GenuCell.com slash Drew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. These products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. Discover the key to oral hygiene, regardless of your current 
daily dental routine. Whether you diligently brush and floss multiple times a day or you struggle, you got bleeding gums, bad breath, plaque buildup, this revelation is for both of you. Surprisingly, over 350,000 Americans experience health issues that may be connected to their toothbrush or even caused by it, ranging from heart or blood sugar problems, forgetfulness, digestive difficulties, immune issues, all related to oral hygiene. Scientific studies have shown that a simple switch of your toothbrush can lead to a healthier teeth and potentially save your marriage. Yes, save your marriage. Our study, we did a personal study. My wife, Susan, hates the sound of the sonic toothbrushes, but introducing the real white sonic toothbrush, of course, also their hydroxyapatite dirty mouth mineral toothpaste by Primal Life Organics, these products have transformed my life and Susan's and save her marriage. It's much quieter. It's a very powerful toothbrush, but it is quiet and it saved our marriage. So the real white sonic toothbrush from Primal Life Organics stands out among all other electric toothbrushes I've tried. It effectively eliminates plaque, harmful bacteria, promotes gum health. Get yours and enjoy 60% off at naturaltoothbrush.com slash DREW. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. And there we have been since. Uh, Kelly, I just uh, ran the latest New England Journal of Medicine, which just came out of five minutes ago. Interesting article about SARS and early weeks of gestation causing situs inversus. That'll be interesting. Keep an eye on that. Oh, also, really um, interesting. on the restream, they wow. were mentioning how good Kelly looks right now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just want to give her a shout out. I think that I think the uh, Paleo Valley turmeric and uh, Genucel's doing its job <laughs> there, over there. there you so, go. and there you just, go. You're Absolutely. beaming. You're beaming. <laughs> well, I I, 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 I also got stuff. a new computer, so I have a new camera. <laughs> but I think it's the Genucel. Oh. <laughs> I think it's the genius. All right, James, unmute yourself there, and you're coming on up. Uh, James, go ahead. Oh, how are you? Hi, James. Good. Hello. Hi. Thank you guys for. Hey, we hear you. Guys are doing so. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Listen, I'm I'm reading a book, Eat to Beat Disease. I'm actually astounded how how confusing the topic of nutrition is. Um, mm-hmm. to keep healthy and so forth is such a confusing subject. You know, you got Dr. Berg, obviously, he's got all these followers. Um, what is your suggestion? I I did get the spike protein. Thank you very much. I'm not getting into that area, like you said. Um, thank you very much for that information. Um, what is your suggestion? On what is a good nutritional uh, foundational diet for people to to live by? It's a great I'm question. A I'm going to throw you yeah. back while we try to answer that. It's it's it's. I I, I will just. Well, before, I'm going to give Kelly a first uh, slice of the first. Uh, what do the Europeans say? Bite at the cake. But before that, I just want to say one thing, which is uh, Kate Shanahan, who we've had on this show. She's a biochemist and she's a family practitioner, and she was the nutritionist and doctor for the Lakers for a while. And when I first met her, she goes. 
nutrition is too spectacularly complex for me to say anything meaningful about the biochemistry, except in very narrow areas, areas such as healthy fats. And she had some very specific stuff about healthy fats, and we can talk about that. But in terms of, you know, you should be eating X number of blueberries every day or X number of, you know, how much weed or it's just, it's just, it's what, but there are some general things I think both Kelly and I can talk about. So go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. And, and James, I, first of all, I share your frustration with it because, um, again, the, the medical community has done a lousy job. We've ping ponged all over the place. You know, eggs are good. Eggs are bad. You know, cholesterol is good. Cholesterol is bad. You know, high fat, low fat, mm -hmm. high protein, low, you know, it's all over the place. I can tell you, this is a particular area of interest of mine. And I know a lot about it. Um, I have come to the conclusion after doing unbelievable reading of my own that the best diet really is one that's, believe it or not, relatively well balanced. Um, I think you, although you can lose Shocking. a lot of weight on, on keto or you can lose a lot of weight on, you know, a, a low carb diet, um, they're not really sustainable for most people. I've come to the conclusion that processed foods and particularly high sugar processed foods are a problem because they're highly inflammatory. Mm -hmm. It's not sort of just because they mm -hmm. cause you to be fat. Sugar by itself and rapidly uh, accessible sugar, processed sugars um, are inflammatory. And inflammation, I believe, is fundamentally the key to most disease processes. We know that inflammation is a real problem and cutting down on processed sugar is part of dealing with that. Americans in general eat far, in my estimation, too much protein. Um, we have this idea that just because you go to the gym three days a week and lift some weights that you need to be taking a you know, protein shake and protein bars and additional, you know, Americans eat way more protein than they need. And I think a diet that is moderate in protein relatively high in good fats, um, meaning, you know, your olive oils and your omega-3 fats that come from nuts and from uh, fatty fishes Butter. and avocados Butter and those sorts and of things lard. are, um, you know, are, are good for you. Uh, and then eating, you know, a uh, complex carbohydrates, you know, really whole grains. So mm -hmm. getting back to whole foods. Um, and I think that's sort of, I guess that would be in a nutshell, uh, where I'd lead you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think I, I would even add to Kelly's list to the sugar, simple sugar, as I would add starch, pure starch is, is problematic. Which is simple. The quantities yeah. we take it, which is sugar, yeah. which is sugar. Which is sugar. I, if, yeah. I, which I, means I you're, like your white it, flours and white, white rice, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. If, if anything, if anything has the consistency of cake, even if it's bread, or if something is really sweet, easy does it. <laughs> easy, easy, the, easy. Yeah, the, good. the other thing I the other thing I'm gonna throw in there, and I think it's really I, I've done it in the past probably four years, a lot of research on this, is this concept of fasting. Um sometimes mm. you know, intermittent fasting. There's no question that the problem in part of the reason I believe that we see such high disease uh prevalence in Western countries and in wealthy countries is because we are the people who have access to food all the time. In mm -hmm. other areas that have lower disease states, they go for longer periods of time without eating, eating anything at all. The average American eats his last bite of popcorn or pretzels or ice cream at about 10 o'clock at night, and then eats breakfast sometime between six and seven in the morning. 
So the longest period of time they go without eating is maybe eight hours. That is means you are constantly providing sugar to your body and you are not promoting things like apoptosis uh, or autophagia, where which is the body's, those are fancy words for the, the body's normal process of clearing out dead cells, clearing out the debris, fasting, even for short periods, 12 or 13 or 14 hours, meaning, you know, maybe from eight o'clock at night until eight o'clock in the morning, or, you know, six o'clock at night until eight o'clock in the morning, that promotes your body. It puts some stress on the cells and it allows your body to do what it does under stress, which is go in and clean up the dead crap, clean up the stuff, the the (laughs) cells that aren't very useful anymore. And that also happens to mean cancer cells, cells that have mutated. So I think that the idea of doing some element of intermittent fasting, um, meaning at least making yourself eat in a shorter window, uh, you know, maybe a 10 hour window uh, a day does show some benefits and the benefits are really quite profound. Agreed. Um, and a couple other things. Uh, when when we say inflammation, we're not really talking about the kind people think immediately joints and skin, and we're right. not talking about necessarily. Though some people do get some benefit, the kind of results you see with rheumatoid arthritis or something like that. We're really talking about the endothelium, the way the yes. body clears the immune system, the way it delivers blood. It's a very complex. We don't think of it as an organ system, but our arteries are lined by an organ system, and that organ system in interacts with the clotting, the lipid, and the immune system. And as such, it can be very much affected by what Kelly is talking about. The other thing, a friend of mine, Peter Atia, who's really one of the best longevity experts I think out there, I was sort of, you know, pimping him one day. I was like, what about this? What about that? What about metformin? And he, he looked at me, he goes, look, he goes, vigorous exercise, vigorous exercise. That is the most significant benefit for longevity and not just longevity, but pushing back that cliff mm-hmm. of aging. I forget he has a name for it, but you and I, Kelly, have seen it You know, without exception. It happens to everybody if you live long enough. Right. And if you can push yeah. that back really into your 90s and maybe have a way to kind of manage it by not losing too much muscle mass and maintaining your balance and keeping the nutrition up, you can live well, well into your 80s. And then- um, Mention V-Shred. Well, I used is, to do the protein bar diet, Kelly, with the keto. No, hang on, but Susan, and but, but I, it hang was on. so hard. But Susan, the the lo- losing weight on a prescriptive diet is not what the question was. The question is, what is a healthy diet? Which is a different question. If somebody really has to lose weight, really, we go to great lengths. We do surgeries, and we use right. Ozempic, and we use all kinds of unhealthy stuff to get them to more towards a healthy chronic state. Uh, but yes, but isn't and, that what it means to be on a healthy diet to get your weight in the right place? It does mm, it's I mean, like losing for weight. Weight. go ahead, Kelly? Yeah, and and it was to say losing weight and, ma- and maintaining, and what you were just saying, it's really right. hard. That's the point. That was my point is that although you can lose weight and should, if you're out of if your weight is above the ideal uh, zone, then you definitely need to get it down because there are innumerable health benefits. But the mm. problem with people trying to stay on these keto diets, for example, is it's very difficult and you end up instead binging. What we see is a lot of Mm -hmm. people, you know, you eat no carbs, you eat no carbs, and then you eat the entire package of Oreos. 
Um, and that <laughs> is, it, no, I mean, truly, I mean, I, believe me, I've tried, I know. You know, it happens to all of us because <laughs> those cravings, so you're better off, I believe, in managing your blood sugar regularly by eating you know, a moderate amount of complex carbohydrates rather than trying yes. to restrict, restrict them entirely yes. uh, and, and keeping in that zone because you really want to avoid those, those sugar binges because they're highly inflammatory. It's that endothelial inflammation. Uh, and we know that it drives not only uh, heart disease, but also cancer growth. And and Susan is referring to a program that we've been pushing that we have found. We, I've we lost did. 14 pounds on. I've, I've found mm -hmm. much better for my joints and appropriate for my age. This V-Shred platform, which has different cost-effective ways to manage these things. It's like having a virtual mm -hmm. trainer, and I loved it. So I signed up. Right. I didn't a have a lot of, of weight to lose, but I was having a problem. You know, I was getting closer, like 10 pounds over my comfortable weight. Mm -hmm. And I try, I always would have to go on like Lindora or something and do the bars and the protein. See, that's a blah, therapeutic blah. intervention. And then, or, or, you know, whatever, do keto. And, and mm -hmm. I swear it was just so hard because I gained the weight back. And uh, this, well, that's this the other time thing I've been able shows. to keep it off. Research shows that people rebound above where they were. Right. But the other thing, one last right. thing about the intermittent fasting, I, I'm not totally sold on intermittent fasting, except there's one aspect of it that no one talks about. And, and it's an important topic generally, which is appetite management. Your body tries to stay where it is, wherever it is. If it's way mm -hmm. up, if it's way down, it tries to stay there. And it will fight you. And intermittent fasting does kind of help appetite management, in my experience, in the earliest parts of yeah. a diet. Oh, I think yeah. there's no question. And, and I am truly a huge believer. If you look at the results on um, insulin resistance, it's one of the best mm -hmm. ways to reverse metabolic syndrome, uh, Drew. And there are lots of ways to do it. Um, you don't, you know, I live by the, you know, 16-8. I eat in an eight-hour window every day. It's, uh, you know, I, I mm -hmm. eat generally between noon and eight if I'm going out to dinner and I know I'm going to be eating dinner and not finishing until 9.30, then I don't eat my first meal until 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon. I eat in an eight-hour window. Um, so I go 16 hours a day with no food, yeah. and it really markedly improves your your uh, insulin metabolism for, for mm. certain, but it also controls cravings, as you said. Some people choose to do it. You can do two days a, a week, two non-consecutive days a week where you fast, where you only eat 500 calories, say, on Mondays and Thursdays, and the other days of the week you eat normally. The idea is that by depriving yourself of food for a, for a period of time that is longer than the average eight hours, you put that stress on your cells on purpose because it motivates them to go into autophagia and apoptosis where you're cleaning up dead and, uh, and really, or malfunctioning or, you know, dysfunctional cells. Uh, and I think that the data to me, that the research is really pretty overwhelming. There's a guy out of uh, USC who wrote the book on it, Walter Longo. People might want to look at that. They Walter Longo, V-A-L-T-E-R, uh, Longo, uh, who's written extensively on uh, the benefits of fasting, and it's, it's worth looking into. Yeah, and uh, again, the diet you'll do, the exercise program you'll do, is the best plan for you. Play, you know, try experiment with things, but the one yeah. you will do, the one you're willing to do, the one right. you're Yes, I mean, the, particularly yes. with exercise. I, did, I mean, I, you, I remember when the kids went to a 
a nutritionist and it wasn't you're going on a diet it's like we're going to teach you how to eat healthy like mm. this is just like how you're going to a way of life but there's isn't? different ideas and once about in a while that. you can have a cheat day whatever but they would lose weight because they weren't just eating the junk most, yeah the most hunter unmute your mic there and let's have at it hey dr drew and dr kelly victory how are you doing good We're thanks good. welcome Awesome. Um, I actually had a question for you regarding the uh, shooting in Lewiston, Maine, if that's cool. Mm. Sure. Please. Regarding- Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, so I just wanted to ask, so this this horrific shooting and the individual involved, it said that he was in a mental health hospital over the summer mm-hmm. for about two weeks. I guess my question is just simply like, what sort of treatment do you think he received there? And why did he come out still a danger to society or possibly even more of a danger to society after that situation? So Hunter, what would you know what the diagnosis was yet? Have they told us that? I've heard various things flying around. Do you know? Well, I I do not know. Kelly, do you? Yes. Well, what was what was I've read was reported is that he had a quote history of schizophrenia. Um, uh. So uh, you might yeah. So my concern is this: you know, clearly he had a long mental health history. It had gone on for a long time, and you're correct under that he had been hospitalized. Schizophrenia is extraordinarily complex and difficult to treat. And people, Mm -hmm. it is unlike trying to treat someone for depression or anxiety um, Mm -hmm. where you don't reverse it. You can control schizophrenia. It's not, you know, it's not curable in the same way that we can get somebody who was depressed to treat them for depression and they may be totally, go forward totally normally. I have never in my history, I was a psychologist before I was a physician. I never cured anyone of schizophrenia. Uh, so, you know, Drew, you weigh in on this, but I suspect that he remained yeah. uh, susceptible to a psychotic break. Oh, for sure. And there's different qualities and kinds of schizophrenia, and some are more intense mm-hmm. and worse and more difficult than others. But, um, Hunter, my concern, this is where my concern is. I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 30 years, and I saw our ability to help these patients eroded systematically by the law. The fact is, the earlier you intervene on a schizophrenic patient, the less severe the course of their disease, and you can often restore them to a productive life. And if you do not treat them, they decay systematically and are irretrievable. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. most bizarre qualities we have in our law, particularly in California, is if you don't treat a dementia patient and you let that dementia patient run around in the street, you are guilty of patient abuse. And yet that dementia is going to progress no matter what the doctor does. That person is going to be it's going to progress. While the schizophrenic, if he or she says, I don't want anything to do with you, I'm Napoleon, you're not allowed to go near them. You're not allowed to help them, and they will deteriorate over time to the point that they will never get better. Not only that, there are long-acting antipsychotics that are extremely effective if we are allowed to give Mm -hmm. them to these patients. And cognitive behavioral therapy does great guns once their psychosis is under control to help them identify and see their delusions and their hallucinations so they can identify them and distinguish them from 
who they are and who what reality mm-hmm. is. They can do it cognitively, but you have to intervene on these cases or they deteriorate to the point. Just look out on the street. There's just so many people out there. In California, there's tens and tens of thousands. Right, right. I mean, uh, so much that's of our- my great. That's my public service announcement about, about the case. We don't know much about, obviously, we don't know the details of this particular case. But my bet is two weeks is reserved for the most seriously ill. If you get somebody and you're able to lock them up three days, lock them up. Keep them under, under, under supervision for three days and then extend that two weeks you have to have a court come in and commit the patient. A judge has to come to the hospital and commit that person to 14 days. After that, it's conservatorship, and you can never get those, although they've expanded that a little bit in California just recently. So my fear is that this poor man didn't get the help he deserved because of the laws. Yeah, and and again, I don't know a tremendous amount about this individual other than, as I said, that he had a history of schizophrenia. But the reality is what Drew is saying is spot on. Much of our issue with homelessness, drug addiction, all the the crime, frankly, has to do with the deinstitutionalization of people who should have been in uh, really locked in mental health facilities to get the care that they needed, but they weren't. We had a massive deinstitutionalization in the United States in the 1970s. Those people, instead of actually being remanded to care, were put out on the streets where they are now uh, creating, not only living horrific lives themselves and dying of drug overdoses and dying of malnutrition and and as, as victims of crime themselves, but they are perpetrating the crime and they are leading to a the huge and, uh, explosion yeah. that we have with homelessness. And, and we're using words like locked up and stuff. Look, the psychiatric hospitals now can be social models. They can be the Trieste model. They can be beautiful grounds and facilities yes. and vocational rehab and social structures. And I mean, these can be halfway houses that move people towards in, independent living. The, the fact is in your head about, what Kelly used the word institutionalization and I used a casual word locked up in your head, you're thinking about Ken Kesey and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Number one, that was not a documentary. That isn't what psychiatric (laughs) hospital were like even then. Number two, that was nearly 70 years ago that that was written. We're approaching 100 years since that book was written. And things are very different now in terms of psychiatric care. Right. It's much more humane. And it was never like quite like that in the first place. So that's our little public service announcement. Hunter, is that helpful at all? Yeah. And um, I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I myself have bipolar disorder with psychosis and I've been in psych hospitals and I've been mm-hmm. court ordered in there and shit. So I know like how it goes. And I think also what you touched on with cognitive behavioral therapy is really important because that's not something that you get taught overnight. It takes a long time to work on it. That's right. And you can't do that over two weeks. You can't do that if you're not getting the resources that you need. Right. Dude, that is so profound and absolutely true. And but not only that, is that that done properly. Again, this is this is 2000. We're, we're into the well into the 21st century. Psychiatric care is totally different now, right? And treatment tends to work. It works mm-hmm. if you can get yeah. people and keep them long right. enough to do the treatment. And so, Hunter, thank you right. for saying that. I really appreciate it. Totally. Thanks so much for your responses. Appreciate it. All right, you thank bet. You. I mean, it's, 
it's a, it's a complicated topic, and it's one I'm very, very frustrated even talking about. Yeah. Because, okay. You know, I, I, you know, having worked in the psych hospital for so many years, I look out on the streets like, oh, those are my patients. I, I could help these people. I could easily <laughs> help these people. It's not that hard. You just need to. We, I know exactly yeah. how to structure a program. I know how to staff right. it. I know how to manage it. I know where to right. put them. I know what to, I, I just know what to do. And and you're not allowed mm -hmm. to. You're not allowed to. So we're, no. you're running an open really air hospital without doctors and nurses. Right. That's the insanity. Right. Social workers, as wonderful they are, as they are, are not medically trained. They, it's like literally asking right. them, asking a physical therapist to do orthopedic surgery. That's not their training. Right. And social right. workers are not trained to take care of medically sick brain disorders, medically yeah. relevant brain right. disorders. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so it's, that's my public service announcement for the day. Okay, um, we got a few calls here. I'm trying to get to people. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Uh, there you go. This is Megan. I'm looking at how we're doing on time here. And let me also look at what's going on in, this, in the chat room. Susan, anything... Uh in your chats and the rumble yeah, i was just telling emily that we you're gonna do russell brand's show next week yes yes i am uh sorry i was i don't know when it's i gonna, heard you in the background i don't know when it's gonna air but i do know I'm i think it's live that. is it i don't know how they're that live. works um and i and he and i have done public stuff before because they always did. have people talking on his stream okay so i think it's a live stream on rumble and twitter uh he goes on YouTube and then he shuts it off because he hates YouTube like we do. Okay. And then he sends everybody over to the other platforms. And then he also, I think he's on Locals as well. Okay. Any event, he and I have done public events Tuesday. about- Tuesday. Or uh, Wednesday, I'm sorry. Thursday. I thought it was Wednesday. Thursday. Uh, well, he and I have done public <laughs> sure. events about, let me double check that. I'm okay, gonna, here here we go again now. Wednesday's uh, my day. Is, so. uh, <laughs> now, it's not this Thursday. It's not tomorrow. It is next Thursday. It's, it's Thursday. Schedule, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, See, look, that's why I have you around. So, Megan, you have to unmute your mic there per Caleb's little cartoon. Hi, thank you so much for having yeah. me. You bet, of Hi. course. Hi, um, my question is about SSRIs. Um, I listened mm. to an episode of your podcast a little while ago where you spoke about SSRIs and um, you were talking about how some people are experiencing um, sensitivity issues with coming off of SSRIs. I recently came off of yes. SSRIs what, after nine years. Yes. And yes. Um, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Um, I'm wondering if your attitude towards SSRIs has changed um, with some of the recent uh, news that's come out about them. Which particular are you thinking about? I just got off. So I, I, I was on for nine no, no, minutes. No, you said re recent I, information about SSRIs. What particularly were you thinking? Um, it was about the sensitivity issues that were coming oh, off those of withdrawals. Issues. Yeah. Yes. So, so look, we over-medicate people and we under-medicate people that really need it, frankly. Uh, that's, 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 and you, when, when uh, Sigmund Freud got to America, you'll, you'll appreciate this as a psychologist, Kelly. 
He arrived at the dock, and the reporter threw microphones in his face and said, Dr. Freud, what do you hope to achieve here in America? And he said, well, I hope to come to an understanding of the difference between true psychiatric illness and ordinary misery. Okay? <laughs> ordinary misery is something we have lost track of in this country and we do not tolerate. Uh, ordinary misery does not have to be medicated. And we tend to Correct. medicate it. We tend to, primary care doctors tend to medicate it. And you, as a psychologist, and me, as somebody working in a psychiatric hospital, know woefully inadequately trained to be doing that. Uh, people are left on them for too long. And that particular, and I've seen lots of withdrawal, Megan, uh, the withdrawal syndrome, uh, I've seen it from Zoloft, from Paxil, from uh, Effexor, yeah. uh, from uh, right. from um, Cymbalta, which is a very mm -hmm. uncomfortable zapping, you know, feeling up your neck and into your head. And it, it can go for, I had one person, uh, yeah, yeah. I had one person that was on 8.75 milligrams of Effexor, which is like the tiniest crumb of the tablet. And I could not get her off that. And it, she just stayed on it because that withdrawal was so awful. So there's withdrawal. There also are sexual side effects, which is something I've been campaigning about for 25 years, even though the companies originally denied it, back to the concerns about pharma. Look, I had a Xanax rep, an Upjohn rep, come in my office and tell me Xanax was not addictive in 1989. I'll never forget <laughs> it. Uh, uh, so, so don't even, and I, by the way, right. five years later, I had OxyContin reps in my office saying the same thing. I was like, get out of right. here. It's just, I can't even talk to you people. Um, so... So the sexual side effects are profound, can ruin relationships. They can mm -hmm. affect any phase of the sexual response cycle from libido all the way to detumescence, it has any, any cycle. Now, this podcast I did was about an organization of, of patients that is gathered together who have persistent sexual side effects after they come off. And it turns out that's a bigger problem than most people knew, than I know. There was a psychiatrist that was sort of in charge of that particular conversation I had. He believes, I actually don't buy this, he believes there's a neuropathy that develops from the SSRIs because there's sort mm. of a numbing of uh, genital responsiveness. I don't know that that's it. I, to me, I, it just seems we should be able to document that if that's what it really is. But right. they, they, suffice it to say, it's very unpleasant It is, and it is persistent. And there's very few treatments for it. So, you know, it's like any medicine, Megan. Med medicines are not all good and all bad. That's why I'm so deep in the discussion about vaccines and things. That vaccine, at least all medicines can be very helpful in certain situations and very problematic in others. Same medicine. And that's what people just, they can't seem to hold these ideas in their heads simultaneously. So like every medicine, the SSRIs, they have seen it save people's lives. I've seen it destroy people's lives. That's on us. That's on the practitioners to get it right. We're supposed to be able to do that so we do no harm. Right. And I think the thing that I would pipe in here and say is less about specifically SSRIs and this issue of that we over-treat what is, I think, situational and life-related depression, anxiety, Ordinary misery. If, or, correct. If you look at the three most commonly prescribed drugs in the United States, they're statin drugs for high cholesterol, drugs like Lipitor, mm -hmm. Prozac, mm -hmm. and sleep medications. We are the wealthiest mm -hmm. country on the globe, okay? Why is it that no one can sleep and everybody is profoundly depressed, all right? And I would submit to you that they aren't. We are not teaching people how to deal with anxiety, re, you know, regret, rejection, 
failure loss. I'm not talking about people like our last caller, like Hunter, who has you know, uh, bipolar disease or somebody with schizophrenia or somebody with psychosis or with somebody with an organic depression. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that every kid right now is on Ritalin or Adderall for their, you know, for mm -hmm. their inability to concentrate. Everybody and their brother is on Prozac or an SSRI or some sort of treatment for their anxiety issues or their sleep issues. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm not saying that these diseases don't exist, but that we are painting with a very broad brush who needs to be medicated without trying the things that take longer. It's a lot easier for a doctor to whip out the prescription pad and write a prescription oh, yeah. than to well, sit back down to the and patient do satisfaction stuff too. Correct. Yep. Yep. And to actually sit and talk with people, to do cognitive mm -hmm. and behavioral therapy, talk about really how to, to you know, it, it's, Treating someone for a phobia, and I know how to do this. I mean, there are ways you treat people mm. behaviorally for phobias. It's a lot easier to whip mm. out a prescription pad and give them a prescription for Xanax so they can get on the airplane rather well, than actually dealing with their phobia of flying. But I would submit back to, to who you, you work for, that, Kelly. The, yeah, the insurance companies reinforce that, and, and not either right. they either positively enforce it or or they punish if you don't do it. So it's right. it's, it's a right. mess. So we end up with people on these medications that are not devoid of side effects, and they certainly aren't devoid mm. of effects when you try to get off of them because the withdrawal is very, very real, whether you're talking about benzodiazepines like Valium and Ativan mm. or SSRIs, all of them have, God knows, opiates. You try to get off of these medications once you're on them, and I would submit to you, there's a reason that they haven't worked those kinks out because it's in the pharmaceutical company's best interest for you not to get off of them. So there you go, uh, Megan. Any, any follow-on for that, or do you want to put, tell us about your position on all this? That's ours. Um, yeah, I was on SSRIs for nine years, um, prescribed by my general practitioner. Um, I was in my mid-20s and um, mm. you know, going through a lot of life change. I, in retrospect, probably didn't need the dose that I was on. Um, and actually coming off of it, um, was quite difficult because my doctor convinced me that, um, getting off of it would be dangerous. And, oh my. um, were you suicidally depressed when you first went on them or something that makes depression when I, dangerous? When I first went on, yes. Um, but, okay. um, you know, I haven't, I hadn't been that way in a very long time. So, um, and, and let me, let me, and let me state, if you don't mind that there's about a, f if indeed he was accurate in his diagnosis of major depression back then, if that was true, I mean, you might've had that, right? There's about a 50% chance of recurrence, but you should be off antidepressants in the meantime, you should give yourself a chance to, to live. And then, you know, who knows what circumstances were coming to bear when you're a young adult teenager. Yeah. I got a second opinion. And, um, Good. I just said, I don't want to be on this anymore because, um, Good. I just felt like I was chained to it and I didn't feel that that was necessary at the time. Mm -hmm. Good. Good for yeah. you. Good for you. Look, Things I, are good. I, I think better you, off. You, yeah. This is, this is sort of something that Kelly and I are obsessed with lately, which is getting the locus of control back to the patients because right now the doctors have lost it. They're, they're employed. Mm -hmm. Insurance companies take mm -hmm. The insurance companies, their employers have taken their ability to practice medicine away. So we need to get it back to the patients so they can demand proper 
proper care from the doctors. And we live in a time when there should be access by multiple means. We have so many options now with the internet and uh, it's just, th- th- we got to build this system out is what I'm the, saying. The other thing I would submit to you, and I think this, that I think it should be really common practice. I don't think a physician should be allowed to prescribe a psychiatric medication, whether it's an antidepressant or an anxiolytic, mm-hmm. you know, without having concomitant treatment, other treatment. What, if you are on an antidepressant, oh, yeah. just Talk. the pill, yeah. we, we, are, we are simply acting yes. as if we can treat this mental health issue with a pill and that there's no that but, there's nothing know, else that should go along with it. That's ridiculous. Good luck that's getting insane. insurance to, to pay for the proper it, care. I mean, every study ever done the shows it, the, the superior, the, the optimum method is medication plus talk, medicine off as soon as possible, right. continue talk. That's it. Right. That's optimal. Exactly. So if you are treating, if you are treating your anxiety with a pill and nothing else, you are being mistreated. Uh, and unfortunately, as Drew is pointing out, the I, system drives it that way. But it's 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 wrong. It's malpractice in my yeah. in my mind. Herb Green there is a comment about his brother coming off Xanax. Yeah, the, at the time at which the Upjohn rep was telling me that my patient wasn't coming off Xanax, she was having a seizure that day. Right. And his point yeah. was, oh, she must have an underlying seizure disorder, or that's just her anxiety coming back. I, well, okay, people are really responding to the benzo thing. Benzo epidemic yeah. is the one thing left behind. We are on to the opioids, but I'm telling you, benzos right. are still Huge. there. And, you know, if you, we'll find out what happened to Matthew Perry, but in odds are benzo plus opiate. That's the odds. I'm not, yeah. we don't know. We have no idea. But the odds plus are minus the alcohol. Prince didn't. Prince could be. Prince didn't die because of an opiate overdose. He was on chronic opiates for a long time. He right. died. He stopped breathing when they added the Xanax in. That's when people stopped yeah, breathing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Megan, I'm going to toss you back. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, Bye. you got it. Good luck with everything. Oh, this stuff makes me upset. I I'm end up <laughs> Kelly. I end up upset with some of our stuff. I know, uh, I know. Okay, it's nice to be talking Speaking about something upset, other than COVID, of, so I'm liking it. <laughs> yes, it do, it is really nice, isn't it? I, I really do dig it. Uh, okay, I don't know if uh, fight for freedom has got a medical question, but I'm hoping so. And we are running a little low on time here, so fight for freedom. Unmute yourself there. Hi, Dr. Drew and Dr. Kelly. So my name is Ginger in real life. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. A couple of things. First, I want to say thank you for your show. I've been following alternative media for since right before COVID probably. And just quickly, Dr. Drew, I want to say it has been a fantastic experience watching your progression through this whole thing to see how you've come along to... Dr. Kelly's side, I guess. Um, just, but, but, just, I, but I, 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 but I, but it's all been a struggle. Understand it. You, you're saying progress. I call yes. it struggle. I'm still struggling. No, Ke- Kelly's has. not struggling. I'm struggling. I'm Kelly's clear. Him. I'm no, not clear. <laughs> no, I can see the struggle. Like I, I can see the struggle. And sometimes I listen to you and I go, Oh God, Lord, just let him get there a little faster. <laughs> just he'll get there. I know he will. Yes. If if it's the truth, if it is the truth, I will get there, Ginger. I, I promise you. Yes. It, it's just that yes, I, sir. the truth is not always, 
I, yeah, I'm cautious. I'm super cautious. And it, it's, I know it's yes. frustrating for everybody. It's frustrating for everybody. It's for people I work with and stuff. But I, I'm still very cautious. And, and, I, and I, I go back and forth. I fluctuate. I, I don't, uh, like last night, I was like, oh my God, I am so wrong. I got this all wrong. The, the professional societies have it right. I was there for a couple hours last night. So, you know, I go back and forth. Yeah, I don't, I think that you should just stick with your gut. I don't know if you're a, I was thinking this last night while I was listening to you guys talk. Um, if you're, are you talking to me right now? Because I see your lips moving, yeah, but we I got don't you. hear you. No, no, okay. no. Keep going. You keep going. Okay. So last night when I was listening to you, what I, what really came to my mind is that, you know, you guys talk about spirituality and I know um, Dr. Kelly is a Christian. I, I don't know exactly where you stand on that, but I feel like if people were to turn to God, they wouldn't be as confused about what's happening because it's hard to realize the true evil in the world. And I truly believe the evil is there and it is. And if people found God, they would be able to see it more clearly. And well, that, well, Ginger, that may seem I, I tell you what I, what I have I been thinking about, I, I believe that's fine. And I, and I'm, I'm delighted when people feel that way because I've seen it help people. And that's what I'm interested in is helping people. I have lately been thinking a lot about vice and why religions are so tight on vice. Uh, I was been doing, like I said, I'm obsessed with the French Revolution when vice and libertinism was out of control. I think you end up with injured children and therefore more personality disorders and therefore more aggression and violence. I think that's kind of how things turn. I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but something along those lines. So you know, to the extent that it helps people live a good life, I'm up for everything. <laughs> I'm up for anything. Yes. Yes. And no, I have just I, to say this. So you got, oh, sorry, Dr. Kelly. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought there, Ginger. No, what I was thinking is two things. So you guys are talking about um, opioids and you were talking about um, antidepressants. I have been on opioids for 20 years. I, it started when I was in the military and it was like, oh, well, we can't find anything else to do for you. So let's just give you these. And do you have chronic pain? That has been a, yes, I, yes, I have chronic pain, okay. but are you still on I opiates? Feel like from the, I am. I take, um, Dilaudid, uh, two okay. milligrams. Uh, if you, like, if you can, uh, Ginger, uh, listen to my words, do with it what you will. But I am. Mm -hmm. I have seen so much improvement in chronic pain patients who switch over to Suboxone. There's been a lot of resistance for that, but mm -hmm. literally every case I have suggested do this. They are. They have been. Their their pain is better controlled. Their sense of desperation and irritability and sleep all gets better. All all those things you're kind of struggling with, I'm sure right now because that's what chronic opioids do. It, it all yes. gets better, and you still have something that has a great deal of analgesic activity. In fact, it's about 20 times stronger than morphine. So just kind of file that away. Talk to your doctors about it, okay? I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just sharing my experience with you, okay? Well, no, that's good because, honestly, I've, I was on a bunch of medicine a year ago, and mm. um, antidepressants was one of them. I got off of everything myself except for the opioids. And part of it, mm. I know this about myself, is fear. 
I am fearful about getting off of them sure. because but, if but I don't understand, have them, understand, understand that's a pathological fear that opiate yes, uh, yes, people that is. are opiate dependent have right. a particularly if you're on any methadone right. people develop a pathological overwhelming sense of fear right. and then when they are yes. coming off for the first three days an overwhelming sense of desperation and no one right. tells yes. you about these experiences but that's part of the deal now it may not be yes. realistic for you to come off everything i i that's why what i do i, I made my you know my program that's all we did was got people People with chronic pain off opiates and their pain magically got better. That's not everybody. You have to select the right patient for the right treatment. So you can certainly go try abstinence-based treatment if it's carefully managed. It's it's a little dangerous, or talk to your doctor about Suboxone. That's that that's be my recommendation for you. I, sharing with you my knowledge. I'm not telling you what to do. This is not practicing medicine. No, I think here. that's a great idea. I actually my I wanted to be off of the opioids by the beginning of summer. Mm. And that didn't happen. And a lot of it, like all of a sudden I started going, my pain got worse. And I'm like, is this something mental? Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking well, about getting it could off be, the pain It could medicine. be, so, so two things, two things. And I'm going to put you back in because we're running out of time here, Ginger. But let's listen carefully here. Two things. The chronic opiates, not, not Suboxone, interestingly, chronic short-acting opiates like Dilaudid cause, cause hyperalgesia. They make all pain more intense over time so pain is amplified by the opioids over time secondly they send you into states of chronic withdrawal so the headache and the back pain that you no doubt are also experiencing because everyone does is actually a withdrawal symptom chronically from the opiate on the suboxone that goes away and in abstinence that goes away kelly we are down to our last minute here do you have anything to tell ginger yeah yeah, the only thing I was going to say is I would just pipe in uh, briefly on the whole issue of religion um, and spirituality, mm. and I am never one to proselytize. Um, I happen to be a Christian, but I think the reason that I think faith is important, whatever your faith is, is we have become a profoundly self-centered society. And the concept of yes. something greater than yourself a being, a force, a spirit that is greater than you, that oversees everything, I think is critically important to keep people from becoming more and more self-centered. And for me, it has given me great strength because I know that I can count on that greater force. And for me, it is God um, that will to whom I can look and I can give over some of the weight that is going on in the world. Otherwise, so I'm not fighting this alone. Uh, I'm, for me, I, yeah. I'm never alone. I'm not fighting alone. And that gives me great strength. It allows me to, to keep from you know, internalizing fear and anxiety in these things. And I think much of the fear and anxiety and sleeplessness and drug abuse and things that we are seeing is because people are taking it all on themselves. They feel the weight of the world that, on their shoulders. And I, they, yeah, they, and I don't. They're, they're I, I grandiose caring, grandiose sense of control, grandiose sense yeah. of everything being dependent on us. And the phone may, reinforces all that, the craziness right. on social media. Exactly. And the fact is it's getting out of your head, letting up on control, having some sense of something greater than yourself, whatever it is, and look towards empathy and gratitude. Other people in my world, that's a big piece of the spiritual. So thank you, Kelly. Susan, thank you came you. running in here. Did you have something you wanted to say? We have a, a fun night at the New York Comedy Special, ah. which, you know, Drew's really good at promoting. I'm really to say, bad. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. 
<laughs> so there it is. Drudio.com slash New York Comedy, NY Comedy. It's me, Cat Temps, Jimmy Fela. Uh, Jimmy, oh, yeah, whoop, sorry. what's all sorry, the my phone about? was on. Sorry. Okay, I believe Jimmy Fallon's going to swing by tomorrow and uh, talk about that. Is that yeah? True? So Monday, okay. November sixth, mm-hmm. if you're in Manhattan and you want to see Dr. Drew, mm-hmm. you can come to the Chelsea Music Hall at eight thirty p.m. and ask him your questions in person and laugh a little bit with our friends who are very funny. Cat, Cat Temp and Jamie Vela. And, and I'm going to hang out a little bit there. So if you want to ask specific questions, there's time for that. So Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I don't know if anybody's from New York, there but we'd love to see you. It's a Monday night. You're probably, you probably don't have much planned at 830. So come on down. They, they, um, it's a cool club. It's a cool um, little new, new club. York needs us. They need us. So, um, we're, we're going to try to have some fun. All right. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you want to get 50% off your tickets, mm-hmm. You know, because you watch the show, just use the code word Drew. There it at, is. He has it up on the screen there. And your ticket will go from 30 bucks to $15. So Not it's bad. cheap enough, you know, and you can get dinner too. Beforehand. Use that code word for the, the friends we're buying tickets for, Susan. We're Don't worry. We're, we're people in. <laughs> All right. So uh, we thank you. I know. We have so okay. many comp tickets and nobody's buying any. I'll see so, you on, uh, but no, I'll see you on wanna, Tuesday. We do want to see y'all there. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the schedule coming up really quickly. Kelly, Caleb, can you put it up there for us? We have, because we're I'm, on the move a little bit next week. We're going to be, we're going to try something new on Wednesday and Thursday from Austin, Texas, which will be very interesting. We have a new studio that we're going to, rent and and stream to you guys and kelly you'll be on the wednesday show is that correct i think i'm on tuesday and wednesday i'm not looking at my calendar tuesday and wednesday and tuesday is early i think i'm Yes. Also, I unfortunately exactly. I don't have the some... full schedule set up here. All I have is the schedule of, of tomorrow's okay. show that's coming up, which is callers on any topic, including COVID, but any topic, anything that's been left over, uh, they can call in. Ugh, I'm getting tired of COVID. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> but, wait a minute. But, November, but we've got, we, yeah, November. we've got an earlier show on on Tuesday, which I believe is the seventh. We are at um, yes. 11.30 in the morning Pacific time to accommodate. I think it may be uh, noon. It may, it, it may be noon. Well, yeah, it's it early. And it's a very interesting. We post guest. everything on Twitter. If you're on local, yeah, she's from I the UK. Yeah. I, I think, think it moved from she, uh, 11 to 11.30. I, I think I can say it, can't I not? Can I promote it a little bit? Who it's going to be? You yeah. Think? yeah. Yeah. I think okay. so. It's Christine Anderson. Yeah. Christine yeah. Anderson, you may have seen her. Uh, she's had some very, very strong. Uh, videos running around, and I uh, asked our crack booker Emily Barsh to get on that, and she was like immediately yeah. booked. And so we're yeah. both, yeah. and the, and Kelly said she'd like to talk to her too. So we said by all. And means. then we're going to try a new studio Excellent. in Austin on Wednesday and Thursday. On Wednesday and Thursday, so we'll be we'll in New York on Tuesday. We got a lot. Of, we're we'll moving all around. Drew can't help himself; he has to book stuff. <laughs> it's your comedy show. We're your in one Monday city, show. and he's got to go to another one the it's, same week. It's your Monday show. I'm tired, Kelly. <laughs> Guys, it's really sounding like we're going over the schedule again at the end of the show, like we never do. Yeah. Right, yeah, I know, stop. but we Caleb want everybody to tune to the in. Baby. Because Come on, Caleb has baby. Caleb, get back to the baby. And support our sponsors so the new baby has new shoes. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Need new shoes. Oh, she's Good adorable. Shoes. That's our sweet little Presley. That's awesome. Yep. Congratulations. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for being Uh-oh. here today. Thank you, Kelly. I'll you see you on Tuesday at noon Pacific. And Tuesday. Uh, be from New York. And Caleb, have a nice weekend with... Oh, I'll see you tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow. At, it's early tomorrow, correct? Early, early at noon? 
Yeah, because we're tearing down the studio because I'm remodeling. We're actually going to make this look better for everybody. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that is noon tomorrow. I will see you then. See you tomorrow. Ta-ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247. Pet Club 247.